Welcome to The Dirt Show brought to you by Pulver Towing. And today we have a doubleheader driver interview with Hall of Fame sprint car driver Ralph Parkinson Jr. and also three-time IMCA national champion Bill Oots. Right after a few words from our sponsors. At Land Pros, our team of brokers and auctioneers specialize in farmland sales, live land auctions, and online land auctions across the Midwest with total sales of 190,000 acres. At Land Pros, you get a team of land professionals going to work for you. We pride ourselves on providing local service and knowledge with national marketing and results. If you're thinking of buying or selling, contact Land Pros agent JJ Wise at 641 420 sell or go to landpros.com that's l-a-n-d-p-r-o-z.com simply adding cookies barbecue sauce is sure to make meat taste better but when you really want to hit a home run try one of my approved recipes speed the sauce man here and i've got a bunch of easy to make creations at cookiesbbq.com barbecue meatloaf grandma elmo's broiler burgers heck i'll even tell you the secret to speed racks of ribs it's all at cookiesbbq.com hey smart cookies use cookies barbecue sauce Anything less is meat abuse. Cookies is the one. When it comes to choosing your next industrial, commercial, residential, or ag electrician, choose Coles Electric. Offering pole setting, directional boring, underground trenching, boom truck service, security systems, and much more. If you're a Steel Wasika co-op member, there are excellent incentives for installing a solar array with quick payback and years of reliable service. Planning, design completion, or emergency service, see ColesElectric.com or 507-451-1387. Let me tell you, friends, about our stores, a great place we call Miners Outdoor. Miners Outdoor, your total source Husqvarna dealer in Blooming Prairie, has everything your yard needs. From chainsaws, leaf blowers, and weed trimmers to zero-turn mowers and everything in between. That's what being your Husqvarna total source dealer is all about. Stop in today to see the best selection in quality Husqvarna outdoor power equipment. That's Miners Outdoor, Highway 218, Blooming Prairie. Miners Outdoor, Major Tough. Returning home on a November evening, I hit a deer on 35W. Hi, this is Shelly. My first thought was, is everyone okay? My second thought was, oh no, my van. I love my van and rely on it every day. My first call was to Bob at Midwest Collision. He took care of everything from getting my vehicle towed to his shop, providing me with a loaner vehicle, and returning my van back to me in a timely fashion when it was repaired. All with 100% satisfaction guarantee. Accidents happen. If you have had an accident, call Midwest Collision at 332-2434. Fall is in the air. The pros at Napa Auto Parts can tell because our prices are changing and dropping faster than the leaves. Keep warm with a Mr. Heater Portable Buddy Indoor Safe Propane Heater for $74.99. Take care of your engine with Napa Premium Conventional Motor Oil for $11.99 for a 5-quart jug. Change out your filters with a $20 Visa rebate card by mail with the purchase of Napa-branded oil, air, and cabin air filters on the same invoice. There's plenty more on sale at Napa. Hey, this is Dave from Steverson Oil, VP Racing Fuels, and you're listening to the Driver Segment on The Dirt Show. Welcome back to the Driver Segment here on The Dirt Show, and it is my pleasure today to be joined by Ralph Parkinson Jr. And Ralph, before we start talking about super modified or sprint car racing, let's go back to go-karts, bicycles, and AMA motorcycles. What are your memories of that era of your life, and what a great training ground for future racing? 
back in the day when I was growing up racing go-karts, we had McCullough engines, Clintons, and West Bends. And my brother and I had, my dad always made sure we had pretty good stuff. We raced good, raced fast. Back then, it was only on pavement tracks, and they were kind of a road course type track. I don't remember any circle tracks we ever ran, and no dirt whatsoever like these guys run now, like my kid ran. But it was a good training ground. Got you some laps, learned seat time a little bit, and kind of learned how to drive a vehicle that was going at a relatively good speed. Of course, we always hung out at the shop with Dad and wanted to go more with the race car. We started going quite a bit with him and helping him. And, of course, go-karts finally kind of went by the wayside because we was going with him all the time and just kind of learning the ins and outs of race cars, super modifieds, is what we used to have in late 50s, early 60s. We'd go with him and just started evolving from there until we finally figured out we could drive a race car ourselves. And, as they say, it got more exciting after that. Growing up helping your dad, Ralph Parkinson Sr., on his sprint car, do you remember a specific time in your relationship where your dad really realized, I've done a great job teaching the kid because he really knows what he's talking about, that trust factor? Well, we talked a lot. When he would do something, of course, I always kind of want to know what he was doing. And the guys that helped him, of course, you know, just teenagers. But the guys helping him were older. And, you know, we'd talk about it going and coming to the racetrack, what he did. But when he finally figured out, I was at a point that I kind of knew what was going on. He used to let me fire the car and warm the motors up, the sprint car at the IMCA races where we'd go to run IMCA. And that's back in the late 60s. There was no cages back in. They just had the single bar. We were at Oklahoma City. Had to be about 68 or 69 and he got ready to fire the car to warm him up. So I'm out on the track. Of course, got a helmet and stuff on, driving around and warming the car up. And they got ready to drop the green. He walked out, told me to keep going, and I hot-lapped the car. And back with the guys we was running with, all the bunch out of Wichita, Dale Reed, Grady Wade, Harold Leap, all that bunch, and Roy Bryant. And I hot-lapped pretty good and come in, and he said, how to feel? I said, well, I said, I guess okay. I was passing some guys. He said, yeah, just passing some guys. And after that day, he kind of figured that's what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And I got more involved helping him after that, got to where I could do more to the car with him. So the learning curve was flattened out a lot when we started working after that. Junior, you won your yeah. very first IMCA sprint car race, and it was big time. The Nebraska State Fair in car number 84. What do you remember about that day? I started driving for Red Forshee out of Wichita, Kansas. Roy Bryan had driven that car. Grady Way, Dale Reed, Harold Lee, a bunch of guys out of Wichita had driven that car. I was very fortunate to get in it at the time because I hadn't driven very much. I drove the day at Des Moines, then back to the day, then we went to run the Nebraska State Fair. I just got in the car that day, and we were good right from the get-go, qualified good, run good in our heat. They dropped the green flag in the feature, and I took off and won the feature, and it was great because I wasn't but about 21 or 22 years old at the time. And I didn't know the significance of the win as far as who. I mean, I knew the guys we was racing against. But I know Bob Mays from Lincoln, Nebraska, who runs a museum for Speedway Motors, told me not long ago when uh, we was talking about Sullivan writing the article about me. He said, that first feature you won, there was 11 Hall of Famers in that. He said, I'm not talking about just any Hall of Fame. He said, there's 11 guys in that feature that are in the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame. I went, well, that's pretty good then. When he told me that, I went, hey, you know, that was a pretty good deal. Do you remember an IMCA race in Warsaw, Wisconsin at the Wisconsin Valley Fair? Your dad set two track records, one in the Australian Pursuit and the other in the feature beating Jerry Reichert Sr., Lee Koonsman, David Heskins, and John Stevenson. 
Yeah, that was 65. Yeah, I was a junior in high school. We were staying here in Kansas City at Jerry Wells' shop, hanging out there. That's where we kind of made our home. And I remember we went up there to run that deal. And that was, at the time, that was probably one of the bigger races that I'd ever seen because there must have been about 50 cars there that day. It was it was a big-time deal. And because yeah, Dad, he was driving a car out of Houston, Texas, went out in the hot lap and came in, and I said, you know, we're not too bad. But we made a few changes and qualified good. Like I say, he won the Australian Pursuit and won the feature, and I was elated because, I mean, we did good. And we got in the truck to head back. And that fair there, that is a great fair, by the way. Because we got there early, and we didn't race till that night, and it was it was a great fair. But anyway, we headed, we left there and headed back to Knoxville. They was going to run the nationals. We was going to watch them run Saturday night, and uh, we talked a lot till we got over to the interstate, and then he finally went to sleep. But that was a, just a great time because we beat the guys that I'd been reading about in the speed sport for a long time, like Jerry Racker. Whew, that guy was he was. Uh, he was probably the top of his game in IMCA at that time, the late 60s. The guys we beat, I thought, was just great. You and your father had many opportunities to race together. Memories of your trip to the Winter Nationals and the Florida State Fair in Tampa. Yeah, we raced four or five years there together. I know in 73, yes, 72, I went to Pennsylvania, and we took the car that I was running down there, and we raced together, and I had a pretty good race car from Pennsylvania, got in the side of Brewer car. We never raced hub to hub or, you know, right next to each other, but we raced in the same race together, which it means a lot to me because I had someone in there that respected everybody, but my dad would always make sure that my car was doing what it needed to be done. And if he saw something, he'd always tell me. And it was just great having my dad there to race with. But it was also after after he retired and we started running USAC and stuff, it was great to have him there turning the wrenches and helping me more so than just when he was racing. Because when he was racing, of course, he was involved working on his car. But when he retired after 76, we started running I came back from Pennsylvania and we started running USAC and stuff. And we did well from just having our home built stuff to run USAC with. We did okay. But uh, having my dad there was, it was great. It was just uh, a great time and a great experience. Another huge win for you came in August of 1975, winning the feature at the Nebraska State Fairgrounds in Lincoln. You were first, Jan Opperman second, and your dad finished a close third. third. Yeah, I think I started in the front row that day, and I could see Jan stick his nose under me every now and then. I had no idea where my dad was, and uh, it was great to beat who I beat, and having my dad right there within two car lengths of me the whole time, it was, and him, you know, I'm sure he wanted to get up and race with me, but the way it played out, it was uh, it was great, because after the race, he was more elated and happier than I was, because I know we went out in the front straightaway, him and Red, Forshee, the guy on the car, and Dad stood next to him. That was a pretty cool deal, and then Bob Mays took a picture of it, and I still have that picture, and I see it every now and then. That really meant a lot to me with him finishing third, right there with me, so he could see what was happening. In 1973, the All-Star Circuit of Champions was formed, running against Jan Opperman, Greg Weld, and Bobby Allen. I ran second. Jan won it. I ran second. Kenny Weld was third. Bobby Allen was fourth. Lee Osborne, oh, Stevie Smith. There was like seven or eight of us from Pennsylvania. Then we were all right there. But you know, and like I ran second points to Opperman, which there's a lot of guys ran second to Opperman a lot. Like somebody says, I said, "Well, you ran second points." I said, "Yeah," but I said, "I where I hang my hat and." What I'm elated about is who ran third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. It wasn't a bunch of just anybody. There was some pretty heavy hitters back in the day when we were running Pennsylvania. 
Your father became the first owner-driver champion in 22 years in 1976 in the IMCA Sprint Car Series, and you two together became the only father and son duo to win BCRA competitions. Well, I know when my dad was inducted in the BCRA Hall of Fame, I don't remember exactly which year, but then the next year, I know Ray Cunningham and Bob Mays called me and they said, hey, uh, we want to do a bow on you for the Hall of Fame. I said, okay, that's good. I said, I didn't do much out there. I said, I know I want a feature. And then Bob Mays called me and said, you know, he said, you and your dad are the only father-son to win features in that organization. I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, I had all the hunters and all that bunch out of Denver, Colorado. And I said, it's an 80-year-old organization. He said, I thought the same thing until I went back and did 80 years of research. And he said, you're it. I went, wow. That was uh, that was pretty amazing that we were the only father-son to win, like I said, because all the hunters were in that deal and, and that organization and all that bunch of Strickland and all the bunch out of Denver, Colorado and the Colorado bunch. That was amazing, and we were very fortunate. I know Dad won his in 68 at Hutchison, and mine, I run drove for Red Forshe in about 70 or 71 at Smith Center, Kansas, which I thought was pretty cool. Junior, there's also another story from Knoxville about you and your dad being the first father-son duo to win a feature race there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. My dad won the Thursday night of the Nationals in 1969, won a preliminary deal on Thursday night, the feature. Then in 83, I started driving for Gary Masada after I got back to Pennsylvania and New Saxo. And we ran third in points that year. It was Randy Smith, TJ Giddings, myself, and Rocky Hodges. We were the four top guys. And I won a feature one night, and my dad and I were, the, and then somebody told me later that we were the first father-son to win features at Knoxville, which I thought was pretty amazing with all the father-sons, because you had Blundies, and I know the Rockers won later, and Kinsers won after us, but it was pretty cool. To this day, it's amazing when we go somewhere. I know a couple of weeks ago, I showed the guy a book, and he went, wow, I didn't realize you and your dad were the first father-son to win. And I said, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool, part of history. You also work for IMCA regular Whitey Harmon at his garage in Blue Springs, Missouri. What lessons did you learn from Whitey? I got to know Whitey when Dad and I used to come up here in the mid-60s, 65, 6, and 7, when he was running IMCA. I met Whitey because he worked for uh, Jerry Weld. got to know a lot of guys when we used to hang out there. But when I moved up here in 71, Whitey hired me to work out of his shop. And of course, all the racers would go in and out of everybody's shop back then. And just hanging around listening to these guys talk, about the racetracks they ran and what they were doing and just listen to stories about how they'd do this and how they'd do that at the racetrack. That was a great experience for me because I hadn't been running around here and I just got a ride for the next year. And to listen to those guys tell me and being close enough to them that I could ask questions and they would tell me it wasn't any secrets. Of course, they knew my dad and kind of knew who I was from when we used to come up here. But it was great hanging out there because I got to know everybody and be friends with them and go to the racetrack, and I didn't have any problem walking up and talking to somebody, and they gave me the straight scoop and not being beaten around the bush about stuff. You took time off for racing to earn an engineering degree at the University of Texas. Yeah, well, I didn't take a lot of time off. I did a lot of it wasn't racing, but it was okay. I mean, my mom said I had to get an education, and I did. And I've used a lot of that every now and then when I work on the race car. I'll, I'll use some of it, but there's nothing like 
as they say, nothing like hard knocks or racing to learn everything. But yeah, having a degree didn't hurt anything. I don't know if it helped a lot in racing, but I could say there's some certain things in engineering that you you do the race car every now and then somebody will say, what's that about? I said, I tell you, but it'd take me too long. I said, just do what I tell you and it'll be okay. Like you do measurements and you do the setups. Now you measure a lot of stuff and you can use formulas that most of these guys wouldn't use anymore. And it's quicker and easier. But it's it was it's a good education, a good learning tool, and I'm proud that we got it done. How did you meet Linda Weld? Well, like I said, when Dad and I used to come up here in the mid-60s, I was just a junior in high school the first year we came up here. We hung out at her dad's shop here at 27th Denver here in Kansas City. And her mom, they had four daughters, and she was the oldest. And she'd bring them into the shop every now and then. And, of course, she wasn't but about oh, seven, seven or eight, nine back then. Yeah, about eight or nine. And, of course, she was a lot younger, but they, they were all just cuter than heck. And, and then, of course, I got to know them. And then when I moved up here in 70, Jerry got killed late in 70, in October or November or something like that. Well, I came up here in the middle of the summer. I went to the shop on a Saturday, and uh, he said, what are you doing? I said, I said come, come up here. He said, where's your daddy? I said, he owned me. He said, I moved up here. He said, okay. So we got in the car, and he was promoting races at that time at Olympic and at Topeka at the fairgrounds. So he took me over to the fairgrounds that night and watched the races with him and helped him a little bit and came back to the shop and he dropped me off. And he said, where are you staying all night? I said, in my car, I guess. He said, no, you're not. So the first night I stayed in Kansas City, I stayed at his house, which was pretty cool. And Linda's mom still lives in that same house they lived in back then, which was pretty cool. It's uh, I know when we go over there, I still think about that first night I stayed in Kansas City right there. And we just kind of after her dad passed away, she was off in school and got married and didn't see each other for quite a while. And we was at the racetrack one night when my boy was racing. And she showed up one night at her kids and everybody with her. And we said hi. And, of course, all the guys there that knew her around the pits were talking to her. And a while later, somebody said, where's Linda? I said, well, I don't know. I said, I have no idea. So we finally got a hold of her. We got her to come back to races. Everybody wanted to see her again. And we just kind of got to talking and she was divorced at the time, so was I. And I'd been divorced about a year and a half, and she'd been divorced a while. And we just kind of started talking and seeing each other. And several months later, we just kind of started seeing each other. And it's been about seven seven years now we've been we've been together, and it's great. Um, I'm just happy and elated that we got together, and my life has really changed a lot since we got together. And it's a blessing or whatever, but I'm I'm just elated that I have someone like her and that I and uh, share the rest of my life with. When did the idea come about to form the Weld Harkinson Motorsports team <laughs> and go out and purchase a new sprint car? Where did you where are you getting all your information? <laughs> yeah, that uh that happened last winter we were talking she sponsored Chris, my boy, and she said, you know, I think I want to get my own car. I said, Okay, that's fine. So I got to looking around, found a good car to buy and I said, All right, we got a car. I said, well, I need to take it apart and clean it up and get everything fixed and put it back together. So she said, how are we going to run this deal? I said, well, it's your car. I said, you just put Weld Motorsports on it. We was running at that. Well, I came in one afternoon. She had some pictures that said Weld Parkinson. I said, no, it's just your deal. She said, nope, it's going to be ours. So she's the one that wanted to be Weld Parkinson, and that's kind of the way it's been. We've run five races now, and next year will be better next year. We'll get things a little more ramped up for next year, but Kind of got a late start because we didn't have a motor, and we finally got us a good motor. And, but we're we're doing okay. She's enjoying herself because it's kind of her own deal now, and uh, so she kind of likes it. 
The new sprint car is a 410 non-wing sprint car, number yeah. 93P, Jerry Weld's old number. It's got to feel good to be back behind the wheel. Oh, yeah, so you know I'm driving a race car. <laughs> yeah, I've... Uh... Yeah, I'm back driving the car. Several months ago, she said, who are we going to put in this car? I went, I got somebody in mind. Well, then stuff started showing up, a helmet and uniforms and stuff. She said, so I said, well, I'm going to be the driver. She said, okay. So after 20-something years, we've run five races, and it's gotten better each time out. And like Saturday night, we ran, we raced Saturday night, and we ran eighth. and Did good. We're making progress. Like I laid it to, somebody said, well, well, how different is it? I said, you rode a bicycle when you was 12, 13 years old. I said, now go get on one. Tell me how you do it. They went, uh, yeah. I said, it's the same. same. I said, your race cars are different. You got to drive them different. And I said, I'm getting there. And Saturday night, we did okay Saturday night. It was getting better. And I just need, you just need more laps is what I keep telling everybody. Just more laps you get, the better we're going to get. So I have to ask you about this guy by the name of Buddy Parker out of West Virginia. I know uh, guys over the years have run under assumed names for many reasons. Either they wanted to run AAA or USAC or IMCA, so they ran under a different name. Or their boss said, you can absolutely not race sprint car. So, oh well, use a different name. What's your reason? When I was in high school, you couldn't do anything if you played football or sports without getting in trouble. Money reasons, they kept saying. But when I was in high school... My brother and I took the car and I ran it one night and used Buddy Parker's name. Then we'd go somewhere. When Dad came back from IMCA, we went out in West Texas and run in Abilene or Lubbock or somewhere. And he drove up the gate and, and the guy said, said something to my dad. And he said, all right, Ralph. He said, we got you down here. He said, nope, got a different driver tonight. He said, Buddy Parker's going to drive. So that's where I got to Buddy Parker because I had to use an alias for when I was in high school because of played sports and they didn't want you doing anything for money, which nowadays is not a big deal. Back then, they thought you were going to be a professional if you went and did something for money. So that's where the Buddy Parker came from. And when we started this deal, you know, I told Linda and the guys, I said, look, I want this deal to be about me. This is just about us having a good time playing. So I started under Buddy Parker. We've run the six races. So maybe next year we'll come out as Junior Parkinson. But right now, it's just Buddy Parker and just kind of leaving it. So we're not making a real big deal out of it. The Weld Memorial has returned to Lakeside Speedway. Jerry won super modified titles at Olympic and Lakeside Speedway in the 60s. I'm sure you and Linda will remain heavily involved with that event. I mean, that's been her deal the last five or six years because they used to do it at Grain Valley. And then when Don Mars and Pete and then took over Lakeside, she wanted to move it where it would have a better recognition for people and the crowd would be better at lakeside than it would be at valley and it's it's been we've done it three years now and she's very happy with the way it's going and the car count gets bigger every year and the crowd is big and it's of course the people that know the well family is you know there's getting a lot less of them but it's great to see the people we see every year that remember her dad and her uncles and i i really enjoy watching her and her family talk to the people and people tell stories about knowing her dad and her uncles and stuff, which is great to stand there and listen to a lot of those stories. But yeah, the Well Memorial is just getting bigger and better and hopefully it just keeps growing. What are your memories of the Knoxville Raceway and will we get to see you back there running your car for the USAC Corn Belt Nationals? Well, my memory of Knoxville goes way, like I said, way back to 65 when Dad and I was running IMCA and we'd go hang out there every now and then on Saturday night when we weren't running. And then in 69, we came up from Texas 
and we were running IMCA. They had won the feature for the Nationals on a Thursday night, and Gratz won it on Saturday night. And I don't remember what we did in the feature Saturday night. I know he's in the top four or five, but Dad won the feature that night, and it was a big deal. That's the first time I've seen our car run anything like that, big of a place, and as fast as they were back then. When I started running, moved up here and started running there, so I never had a real good ride, but we did okay. And then I went to Pennsylvania, then came back, and I started driving for Gary Massetta in 83, and uh, we ran third in points out here. It was T.J. Giddings and Randy Smith and myself and Rocky Hodges. We were in one, two, three, four in points. We had some good races, and I know I won a feature that year, which made me feel good because Dad and I won a feature together, which was good. And now that we go up to watch the races at Knoxville, we go to watch the non-wing stuff mostly and go watch the outlaws, but it is so much different now than what it was back then, commercialized, I want to say. Big businesses back in the late 60s, early 70s, mid-70s, it was so much fun. A lot of parties, a lot of good times right around the, the track there, but it's... Uh, it's still a good time to go to Knoxville, get to see a lot of people, a lot of friends, and uh, hang around the museums, and people come in and out of there, and the stories that they tell, is uh, it's great. It's just uh, it's a great time to go for the Nationals because it's, you get to see so many people that you only get to see once a year, which is uh, terrific. Well, Junior, I know we just barely scratched the surface of your amazing racing career, and it looks like we're going to have to plan a trip down to Kansas City to come down and have breakfast with Ron and Raymond and come and watch you run that brand-new car next season. That'd be good. And uh, you guys need to come to Knoxville again so we can talk in the suite like we did a couple of years ago. That was uh, that was a great time. Oh, that was a blast. And I appreciate you taking the time to be with us here on The Dirt Show today. Thank you, Clayne. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Does the thought of raking your leaves and hauling them away frighten you? If so, call Wolf and Sons at 455-3524 and they'll take the fright out of your fall. (laughs) Why would you use anything but the latest technology in packing products when it comes to shipping your business products? Foam Craft Packaging in Owatonna provides a complete line of packaging materials, including foam products, pallets, crates, corrugated boxes, and much, much more. See all of our different packaging options at foamcraftpackaging.com or call 507-455-2893. That's 507-455-2893. If you're in need of a worry-free power lift door, then you'll want to stop and talk with Rod French. Make a statement with a power lift architectural door on your home or cabin. Power lift doors can be retrofitted to fit an existing door opening or designed into your next commercial, agricultural, livestock, or aircraft hangar build. Stylish, functional, and built to last. Power lift doors by French's Manufacturing are made locally in Dodge Center, Minnesota by their experienced craftsmen. Contact Kelly or Rod. Power lift doors by French's Manufacturing. 374-9306. One of our brand new items, we're very excited to unleash our new 3D printed plastic trickery to our line. First part in that line is our new receiver mounts. They're available for the Fusion or Element. You can tie strap them to a roll bar, or we have a flat mount that you can pop rivet to your interior tin or the side of your helmet, or you can Velcro it. One of the nice features of having it on your helmet, instead of being on your seatbelts or to a tube, is you can get out in a hurry and not have to worry about where your receiver is or being tied down to your belt or tied down to a tube. It's real nice to have it on the side of your helmet so you can get out of the car very fast. Check us out online at weirdsmachine.com. Thank you. 
Rhino Ag offers the most complete rear blade line in the industry. Whether your tractor has 30 or 300 horsepower, Rhino offers a blade to accomplish any task. Don't settle for the cheap imitations. Buy Rhino, building the best since 1934. Check out the full line of landscape and construction equipment today at rhinoag.com. Aero Race Wheels was established on the conviction that its dedicated staff could provide higher quality wheels designed specifically to endure the tough requirements and conditions of the racing industry. Most importantly, the wheels need to be manufactured and sold, maintaining an affordable price structure. Aero Racing Wheels has become the largest premier steel wheel supplier, and their product line speaks for itself. Upgrade your racing game today at aeroracewheels.com. Welcome back to the driver's segment here on the Dirt Show, and it is my pleasure today to be joined by Hall of Fame sprint car driver Bill Oots. And Bill, you grew up in a family of blacksmiths shoeing horses. You have to be mentally tough, and you also have to be really strong to do a job like that. Well, uh, actually, they were all horse trainers, and I just was a horse shoer. <laughs> you got the tough end of the job. Yeah, they got the hard end. <laughs> but the nice thing about that, you didn't get thrown off. <laughs> no, kind of got kicked a few times, but that's about it. You ended up getting interested in racing, watching the track roadsters. When and where did you watch them race? As over Savannah, Missouri. They were running on a little, uh, about a three-eighths mile track, and it was a lot of fun, I thought, so I thought maybe I could try that. And when we talk about that era with the track roadsters, what did an average track roadster look like back then? Uh, it looked like a Model A and cut the top off of it and just build a little race car out of it. In 1958, you got started in a Ford Flathead Coupe. What do you remember about your first race car and the first few nights out on the track? Well, the first night I ran that track at... Uh, Warrensburg, Missouri, and I uh, started thirteenth uh, and finished third. And I uh, called uh, Billets when I got there and Wild Billets when I left. <laughs> was that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it wasn't, wasn't really good because <laughs> I I didn't know where I was going for sure, you know. <laughs> and I had some help. <laughs> One of the things a lot of race fans mention when they tune into the show is they really enjoy the history of the old racing when you got started in 1958 you just didn't go down to your local store or order parts online that you needed for a race car everything had to be scrounged together either home built or customized for a race car absolutely yeah. and junkyards were a huge source of parts yeah yeah that's where we got all the radiators and stuff there. <laughs> I'm sure you spent a lot of afternoons out there scrounging for stuff. Had to get all kinds of parts. Tore up a lot of stuff back then. <laughs> That's why they call you Wild Bill. I guess. <laughs> By today's standards, your first win was not a big payday, but for you, it really was back then. Oh, yeah. It was sweet for was our first race I won. Won a trophy dash a feature and made a case of Coke and $9. <laughs> and did you get a trophy? Yeah, a small one. From the Coops, in 1964, you were the Knoxville Raceway track champion against guys like Jerry Blundy, 
Kenny Weld and Earl Wagner. What do you remember about the car counts at the track and also the atmosphere surrounding the Knoxville Raceway in those days? Well, it was a whole lot different than it is now, but uh, they had, always had a lot of cars, cars, you know. And uh, Jerry Blundy taught me more about racing than anybody I knew. And I have so many guys talk about the prestige of going to Knoxville Raceway. If you could make that A main, and if you could get a win there, how much it meant back then. That's true. It was that was always been a hard place. In racing, drivers always learn valuable tips, and you were actually told to slow down and you'll go faster. Yeah, that's true, and it helped. <laughs> I was just running a little too fast, and making the corners good. And I actually see that happen when we go to races. Usually the first couple nights out when guys have brand-new cars and they maybe aren't set up correctly, they just can't get them to turn, and it seems like if they slow down a little bit and get them to turn into the corners, those cars work so much better. Oh yeah, they've got to turn. They've got to turn good, or it's not going to be fast. In 1966, you switched to a CAE sprint car and won the second race you ran, which was a big one, the Missouri Futurity. What do you remember about that car and that mile race? Well, I'll tell you, that was quite a deal. Uh, we wasn't going to run because we didn't think we had a big enough fuel to run the race without running out of fuel. And we was having trouble with the car running. So we took it out there and we thought we'd just try it to see, you know. And uh, we ran the whole race and, and uh, won the thing. And, and it was uh, Gordon Willie run second. That was a good race between Gordon and I. At that time, were you running multi-carburetors, or had you already switched to fuel injection? No, we'd switched to fuel injection by then. What was the difference in feel from a carbureted car to a fuel-injected car? Could you tell the motor was running completely different? Yeah, it was different. It, it didn't even sound the same, you know. I went out here to the racetrack and... Uh, we put the injection on it that day and took it. went out here, and I was running in the heat races, and I come in, I told this thing didn't run very good at all. I don't know what's wrong with it. And Marvin, my mechanic, he said it might not be running, but you just turned the fastest lap you ever turned. <laughs> that is a great story. You thought you had a bad car. Yeah, yeah. It was just driving. <laughs> it just sounded all different. In 1967, you won your second Knoxville Raceway Track Championship. What makes Knoxville so special to this day for drivers to win a championship at that track or even to return back there? Well, it's a pretty prestige place, you know. Everybody goes there to try to win there, and it's a, it's a pretty, pretty prestigious place. Not only did you have a team car, you also owned your own car, which was a Trossel car. What was the story behind that car and also your relationship with Bob Trossel? Well, Bob built a good race car. And he was the person that you could get to, you know, if you needed anything done, just send it up there and he'd fix it right now. And 
that helped a lot for us because uh, I drove for Dean most of the time, Dean Hayson over Columbia, and he had a car out of California, so it was hard to get to anybody to get anything done on that. So if we had a problem, I just got in my car and run it. With IMCA, you ran in 18 states. What were some of those states and also major events that you remember running? Well, I won uh, Tampa, Florida, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Shreveport, Louisiana. You also spent a lot of time on the road with a great group of guys. We had Raymond McNish on the Dirt Show, and he was one of your pit crew members. And back then, everybody worked a full-time job, so not only did you have to do a lot of driving, you had to do a lot of overnight driving so you got the crew home in time to get back to their regular jobs. Yeah, I have done all the driving at night. <laughs> We'd rest and he'd drive. Did you have any interesting experiences on the road? Because I've heard some stories of sprint cars falling off the trailer. I've heard stories about guys stomping on the brake and slamming the rest of the guys into the front of the camper. All kinds of crazy stuff. Well, we didn't really have any bad stuff that way. We had a trailer one time that didn't tow very good. Swing back and forth across the road. (laughs) But, uh... Most of it worked out pretty good. I'm sure that was probably more unnerving for the people coming at you on a two-lane highway than it was for you. It was a little scary, both of us. 1973 was a big year for you, particularly the fair week, when you managed to win three races in one single week. Yeah, yep. Won the modified championship in the sprint car Half mile and the sprint on the mile that weekend. It was a good, good day. I know I heard a story when we were down at Knoxville that you actually had to put a cardboard box over your sprint car tank to run some of those shows when super mods were transitioning into sprint cars. Yeah, IMCA that they made us. Uh, they didn't want us to look the same both classes. So they made you change something on the back of the car to make it look different. So we actually built a deal for that to fits it. That looks real good. But uh, we put some other stuff on there before that, before we got around to that. <laughs> and back in that era, you were also transitioning from the single roll bar behind the driver's head to different configurations of roll cages. And when the roll cages first come out, they didn't want permanent cages. They wanted bolt-on. Yeah, and they also won them chrome plated. They had to chrome plate the things for the first couple of years, and then they decided that was cost too much, so they changed that. That sounded like a complete waste of money. It was. <laughs> it was, but it looked good. In 1974, you won your third Missouri Futurity on the mile, the Springfield Mile and the 1974 IMCA National Championship. The Bill Oots race team was on a roll that year. It was a pretty good year. What do you think made you so dominant on the mile? I would think the other drivers, when they saw you show up, would go, oh, no. <laughs> I don't think they would worry too much. <laughs> They'd get out there and race anyway, whether you're fast or not. <laughs> and you watch some of the videos from that era. Rough, dusty, 
hot. It wasn't an easy day out there steering a sprint car around those big tracks. You're absolutely right there. Talk about Old Yeller. What is the story behind that car and your success with that car? Well, Dean Haithman's the one that put the Old Yeller on there just because it was painted. That, but uh, that was one of the best race cars I ever sat in. It was to uh, get more forward bike than any cars I've been around. And do you think that was because of the chassis, because of the setup, or the horsepower? Uh, it, mostly chassis. When we got it, it wouldn't work at all. We was in Florida, and we changed everything on it down there and couldn't get it where it really worked good. And Steve Stapp said to bring it over and he'd fix it. So we, they took it over to Steve Stapp and he changed everything on the back end of it, and it was a good race car from then on. 1975 was another tremendous year. You won your second IMCA National Championship two years in a row over Jan Opperman and Ralph Parkinson Sr. What do you remember about racing against Jan Opperman? Oh, Jan was a good racer. He done a good job. You won the Missouri Fraternity for the fourth time on the mile. What do you think made you so dominant when it came to those big races, was the team just that much more prepared than everybody else? Ordinarily, we're in good shape on being prepared for everything, but uh, I really liked the mile tracks. I enjoyed running on them. And speaking of prepared, you had some of the best-looking haulers, and your team also got best-dressed pit crew. Yeah, we won that several times. Who were some of the sponsors that helped you keep the equipment on the road? Dave Malmo Motors was one of the big sponsors, and we had Michael Connor Chevrolet on there for a while. And those were the guys that provided the beautiful haulers. Yeah, right. You also won the 1977 IMCA National Sprint Car title for the third time, and this one was over Doug Wolfgang. That was some stiff competition. <laughs> Yeah, Doug's a good good race car driver. A really nice guy. Yeah, Doug is a super nice guy. Yeah. You know, he told me a story once, and I don't know if this happens to you, but I asked him one of the races that really sticks in his head, and I thought he would tell me about winning the King's Royal or winning some great big race, and he said, North Star Speedway up in Minneapolis. He said, I was coming out of turn four, and he said, heading for the checkered flag, thought I had the race won. Bob Gellner found some moisture down low on the track and passed me going to the flag, and there was nothing I could do about it but watch. And I thought, <laughs> that is a true race driver. You don't remember the big victories, but the one that you should have won. <laughs> Did you have any of those where you're like, I had that thing? Yeah, I've had several of those. <laughs> After you retired, you did some promoting with your wife and even had a track in back of your house. We ran uh, modified midgets and stuff on there. Now, did you do some racing on that track yourself? Oh, uh, not during the races. No, I practiced on it some. <laughs> now, you also have a grandson who's running the Micro 600s. Yeah, and I got a great granddaughter that's driving one. <laughs> So you pass down the racing theme to the family? That looks like it. Do you get out and get a chance to see them race? Oh, I go to every race. (laughs) 
over 300 feature wins and 20 track championships. Do any of those big wins or the track championships stand out from any of the others? I, I got one that really stands out. Go to Springfield, Illinois on the mile. Dick Gaines was leading the feature over there, and it was about to get dark on us because they don't have any lights, and it was running late in the afternoon, and I passed Dick on the last lap to win a feature over there. That was a pretty nice deal. That track, Springfield, means so much to so many drivers. I remember when I had Mario Andretti on the show, and when I asked him about Springfield, he just lit up. You could tell he loved that place. He said, I just love going out and qualifying and standing on that sprint car and feeling that hood jump up and smack me right in the chin when the rear tires were getting bite going through the corner. Those big tracks meant a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I qualified over there one night. I had 115 cars, and I qualified. I went out 115th and set quick time that night. 115 cars, that is a huge field. Nobody gets that kind of car count anymore. I mean, they did then. Well, Bill, I appreciated meeting you down at Knoxville Raceway. I hope to see you down there again sometime for one of the major events. And thank you for taking the time to be with us here on The Dirt Show. Well, I'm enjoying talking to you. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go up to the Corn Belt Nationals here. Maybe you should bring your helmet and fire suit. I bet we can get an open. I, so. I don't believe I could do that. <laughs> oh, there's an open seat somewhere. Well, I might be a seat, but I don't think I could fit in it. <laughs> well, Bill, you keep the racing enthusiasm going with the rest of the family, and we appreciate having you on today. All right, thank you very much. Stuff.com is your online stop for everything in the sprint car world. From apparel, jewelry, and books to die-cast sprint cars, posters, and gifts, SprintCarStuff.com has everything you need for the sprint car fan on your shopping list. And SprintCarStuff.com is the online site of the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, so every purchase on SprintCarStuff.com helps support the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. Promote the future of sprint car racing and preserve the past. That's SprintCarStuff.com for all of your sprint car merchandise. BP Racing Fuels is proud to be recognized as a world leader in race fuel technology. BP's fuels have a well-deserved reputation for power and consistency, winning championships in every form of motorsports for more than 40 years. Whether sportsman or pro, methanol or gasoline, BP has a fuel to ensure optimum performance for your application. See the full line of BP's high-performance products online at vpracingfuels.com. At VP Racing Fuels, our passion is your performance. Fast Shafts owner Pat Fagan is a racer himself and has been testing and building drive shafts for himself and teams all over the nation since 1992. Fast Shaft drive shafts are the number one carbon fiber, steel, chrome molly, and aluminum drive shaft builder for over 90% of the major modified chassis builders. Drive shafts, drive shaft repair, 9 inch forward center sections, slip yokes, rear end yokes, ring and pinions, bearings, spools, gears, shim kits and more. Call Fast Shafts today. Made by racers for racers. 800-622-6617. Here's one of the most incredible lubricating products ever made. Justice Brothers JB80. It's twice as good at lubricating just about everything around the home, shop, and your car. JB80 has a penetrating action that goes straight to the problem areas and even the tightest places. Try JB80, the incredible spray lubricant that's twice as good. And it's guaranteed to satisfy or your money back. 
Tell them Ed Justice Jr. sent you. Buyers Engine Service of Rochester opened its doors in 1975. Hi, this is Corey. Since 1975, we've been offering complete engine machining services and assembly. From flatheads to big blocks, wide blocks to drag race engines, street rods to pulling tractors, Buyers Engine Service offers complete dyno service. So if your race car, a street car, needs a little... Under the hood, trust the place who's been there since 1975. Contact Buyer's Engine Service at 507-282-5586. Why choose powder coating over liquid paint finishes? Maximum durability. Extreme Powder Coatings offer a scientific process that uses heat to bake the colorful finish deep into your product. Extreme Powder Coatings can deliver multimedia blasting, impact-resistant epoxy primers, and super-durable powder coat applications to meet your needs. Visit ExtremePowderCoating.net for more information. Welcome back to a special segment here on The Dirt Show brought to you by our title sponsor, Pulver's Towing, and I am joined by Josh. And Josh, eventually somebody out there, whether it's a farmer, a construction worker, somebody trying to get some landscaping done, is going to get stuck. And you have a piece of equipment that can get them out in hours instead of days. Yeah, that's correct. We got three pieces of equipment that are mobile. We call them our off-road recovery units. It's a winch box is what is referred to in the industry. We have them in southeast Minnesota and southwest Minnesota. We've already done several recoveries on construction sites and some of the guys' agriculture. We've already helped out and had equipment's already been in use and we're ready to go. And guys that have got something stuck, they'll get a tractor out there and then they'll get another unit stuck. And they'll spend hours or days with multiple people trying to get a piece of equipment out. You can actually show up with this piece of equipment, which what I was told when people first see it go, you got to be kidding. That's not going to get our unit out. But it's basically like anchoring to an oak tree in the center of a cornfield and applying all the winch pressure right to it. Yeah, we use the ground as leverage. Not very often do we have to counter off of something, but it does happen. But basically we're using the ground as leverage. We put camber into the unit and it deploys straight to the ground, which allows us to have the leverage over the casualty, which is a stuck unit. And really the recovery is a matter of it takes us longer to unload the equipment and load the equipment and get there than it does to actually perform the recovery. What it does is when we can come out into a field and get you going and rolling, it saves you time. You can get back to doing what you need to do. You don't have to borrow the neighbor's equipment or get other equipment off of other jobs that they're doing. We come out there in a matter of minutes, and we get you back rolling with little impact to the ground. You know, when you start bringing all that other equipment out and start sinking all that in, now you got a mess that ain't going to produce anything for you. We come out there with very little impact to the area so we can get back rolling again. And the other thing you'll find out about Pulver's Towing is the experience and the experts running the equipment. Equipment is only as good as the operator. That's exactly right. I mean, we use our guys in training. We're continuing to train all the time. We're always in-house training, sending guys off to training. We lean on other companies around the area that have experienced something. We all talk. We understand what's going on. Hey, we had this situation. We look at the pictures. We learn from each other as we just continue to educate ourselves and each other in the industry and get better at what we do every day. You also have four locations. Yep, that's correct. They're in Rochester, Fulda, Worthington, and Marshall, Minnesota. And we do branch off with one in Stewartville as well. So we're ready to go or all the time at a moment's notice, 24-7, 365. So it don't matter the day or time of night, farmers are working, 
throughout the evening. Sometimes they go 24 hours a day. We're ready to go as, as well. And it don't matter if it's Sunday or whatever day it is, we're ready to go. Josh, you have an awesome website. What is that site? And also, what is the main phone number? Because they should have that on speed dial. Yeah, paulvertowing.com. And you can go ahead and look at all our services, see pictures, see our locations. Our main phone number is 507-282-3851. Your home is your sanctuary. The next time you need appliance service, invite someone in that will treat it that way. Sorensen's Appliance Service is locally owned with 15 years of experience. Sorensen's Appliance Service also has fully certified technicians who will leave your home as clean as they found it. If you want fast, efficient, and cleanly service, contact Sorensen's Appliance Service today, 256-7766. That's 256-7766. Founded by Jesse Olson in 2004, Medieval Chassis was formed to fulfill a need for better engineered race cars. Medieval Chassis' new state-of-the-art facility has made it a leader in the stock car racing industry and multi-time national champions. The use of a fiber tube laser, CNC tube bender, and flat laser allows Medieval Chassis to engineer and produce a chassis that exceeds all others in performance and adjustability. Find out more today at MedievalChassis.com. Shevland Enterprises, your locally owned and operated sanitation and recycling service, offers the highest quality garbage removal and trash pickup services at great rates. Commercial, residential, construction, and industrial trash removal and recycling in Owatonna and the surrounding areas in Dodge and Steel Counties. Shevlin Enterprises also specializes in roll-offs and dumpster. Contact Chris and his staff today for small-town service at a small-town price. 528-9900. That's 528-9900. As the leading slat replacement professionals in the U.S., Altenburg Construction knows what works and what doesn't. Simply put, they understand your business. Altenburg Construction started in 1990 and has over 27 years of experience and has completed more than 5,000 hog and cattle barns in 14 states. Every customer is unique and every situation is different. That's why their employees are company trained to trust the slat replacement professionals at Altenburg Construction. Give them a call, 888-435-2210 or see altenburgconstruction.com. Welcome to the Dirt Track segment brought to you by Cookies, Sauces, and Seasonings. Last Friday and Saturday night was the doubleheader topless nationals at Ogilvy Raceway on Friday night, October 22nd, in a street stock A-Main, Keegan Stuvey over Scott Witkowski in the Midwest Modified A-Main, Jake Hageman over Cody Lee, in the Modifieds, Eric Lamb over Don Shaw, in the Mod 4s, Robert Holquist over Dustin Holquist, and in the Super Stock A-Main, Dan Asulke over Willie Johnson. Saturday, October 23rd was night two at the Topless Nationals at Ogilvy Raceway in a 20-lap street stock A-Main. Justin Vogel over Kyle Dykoff in a Midwest Modified A-Main. Travis Schulte over Cody Lee in the Micro Wing Sprints. Cole Elton over Ryan Erickson in the Modifieds. Shane Sabraski over Clayton Wagaman in the Mod 4s. Dustin Holquist over Robert Holquist, and in a Superstock game main, Shane Sabraski over Dan Nasulke. And the final race results from our region for 2021, Hamilton County Speedway in Webster City, Iowa. What a great night we had in the Modifieds. Dustin Sorensen over Josh Angst in the Stock Cars. Bill Crimmins over Todd Staley in the USRA B-Mod A-Main. Brandon Tofty over Brandon Hare in the Hobby Stocks. Dylan Clinton over Dylan Nelson in the Tuners. 
Brad Stahl over Trent Reed, and in a super late model A main, Jason Haney over Lance Matthews. Hi, this is Harvey West, and you've been listening to The Dirt Show. See you at the races.